um, I look back and it's like, it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't go the traditional route where you graduate law school, you start working at a prosecutor's office, like for a big County or for a big city yeah, and, and you move up the ranks. Right. Like I, I didn't go that route. I, right. you know, started as a public, def- I got a job as a public defender. Then I started doing traffic tickets. Then I started doing criminal cases. And now I was able to trans what they call laterally move to, to the County to do felonies. Yeah. And, um, it's a blessing because if I wouldn't have gone the route that I did, I wouldn't be like the best version of me as an attorney that I right. am today. What's up, everybody? This is the Untapped Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Max Prado. And I'm your host, Chris Navon. And today, our special guest is Arthur Sepulveda, a deputy prosecuting attorney for King County. What's going on, Arthur? How you doing today? What's up, man? How are you guys doing? Thanks thank for you, having man. me. Hey, hey thank you course. for coming through. Yeah. It's yeah, an honor. Man. We're excited. You're the first person, you know, that's that has his law degree on the on the show. So yes. I'm honored to have you, man. <laughs> yeah. And you live down the street, man. So yeah. it's like <laughs> Well, it's been a while since I've seen all you guys too. Yeah. So it's great to yeah. catch up. Yeah, yeah for, for sure, real. man. Yeah, man. And you have a lot of interesting perspectives. So we're excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit. But yeah. Before we get started, we want to make one thing clear that any opinions that Arthur shares today should not be considered legal advice and are not representative of the city of Bellevue or King County. So now that we got that out of the way, let's let's dive right in. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Arthur, where you come from and, you know, what inspired you to go into a career in law? Sure. Um, well, I was originally born in Southern California, uh, in a small town called Indio. That, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of oh, Coachella Indio. Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indio, California. Yeah. Oh, that's where it's at. That's <laughs> yeah. where Coachella's at. Yeah, that's where Coachella Fest oh, is at. Cool. It's right near Palm Springs. Um, my family or my immediate family moved up here when I was about five or six years old up to the Lingwood area. Been here kind of ever since. Uh, I think um, what inspired me to go to law school, I mean, I had always been interested in it because of like law and order and you know, the, the law shows or, yeah. or dun, dun, Dateline. Dun. Yeah, for, first 48 <laughs> hours, crime shows. Type like stuff. Criminal Minds? Yeah, Criminal Minds. That's a good um, show. But uh, I think uh, my first experience in a courtroom that, like, actually impacted me, um, my cousin was facing, like, uh, some murder charges. Wow. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, he, we happened to be, I was going down to California for a wedding. We just happened to be in town and he happened to have a court date. So we went to like kind of support him. Yeah. Um, the allegation was that he had like shooken a baby to death. Oh, um, wow. wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, young parent, um, you know, smoking weed, all this stuff, I, whether he did it or didn't do it, I don't know. And I've never gotten a chance to look at the reports or anything, but yeah, I just remember being in court and not understanding anything that was going on. And yeah. no one could explain to me, like no one in my family could really explain what's going on. The lawyer wasn't doing a great job, or at least I don't think he was doing a great job. Yeah. Um, and this was when you were how old? Uh, I was. I would have been in high school at this okay. point. So Got he, it. the charges he was facing, that happened like in middle school. But like wow. some some of these proceedings can take a long time to get through the oh, pro- wow. through the system. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. And I was just like, this this just doesn't seem fair. Um. Doesn't seem right that no one can tell us what's going on. Yeah. Um. And then. You know, I, I had thought about going to law school, but I was really good at math and physics. So everybody's like, no, be an uh, engineer, be an engineer. Went to UW and uh, go dogs. We'll let that one slide. We'll let that one slide. But, uh, you know, the engineering wasn't from, 
I, I started discovering and I've like now that I've reflected, you know, where I'm at, uh, that every time I went to try to do a career or or some kind of undertaking because I was like chasing money or like this position's gonna make me rich or whatever, yeah. it's just it never succeeded. Like I ended up quitting, never following through, and that's because there wasn't any like true passion behind yeah. it. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's why I was like engineer, you know, internship at Boeing, all these guys are making money. They seem to have cool jobs. So I was thinking that I should do that too. Um, then I just, I wasn't in the mindset when I started college to really want to chase that kind of career, yeah. that, that, that focus, that self-discipline to do well in those classes, those competitive classes. Um, and a friend of mine, when we were graduating, was like, hey, I'm going to take the LSAT. Actually, one of our fraternity brothers. I'm going to take the LSAT. You should take it with me. And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything with my life right now. I need to. So I took the LSAT with him. I remember my mom saying, "It's, it's a, it's an ex- this is going to be an expensive mistake if you don't end up liking law school. Damn. Yeah. So, like, like make sure you're you're choosing yeah. this right. Like, this is something you, you're actually passionate about and dedicated towards. Yeah. Took the LSAT. We both took it together. I ended up going to law school and he did not. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was your undergrad in? I ended up majoring in history because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Gotcha. After okay. that whole engineering thing didn't work out. Yeah. And teachers make, I mean, are still underpaid, but they make a lot more than what they were making when I was coming yeah. out, out of um, out of college. Um, and then uh, as I'm applying to law school, my cousin was murdered. and wow. A different cousin. And so um, that got me back into interested in criminal law yeah. again. Um and then I got to law school and I was like, well, you know, again, chasing money, thinking like, you know, growing up uh, like working class, Latino. you know, like when I moved into this area, like I was like probably the only Mexican in my school, maybe two others. Right. Wow, Latino. Yeah. So I grew up in a predominantly white community. And uh, I think, you know, chase, you know, wanting to like get myself out of this working class, um, social class, you know, economic class and try to uplift my family in that way. Right. I was like chasing the big law job where you're in these fancy big law firms. Like, have you guys ever watched suits? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> trying to be, trying to be in one of those yeah. and, you know, make, make a lot more money. And, uh, well, I couldn't get an internship in one of those. And, and I got an internship as a sole practitioner, but I, my internship, my two L year, I was able to get into a prosecutor's office. Mm. And, um, the first time in court was for traffic yeah. tickets. And I like enjoyed that. Uh, and you enjoyed I, sitting in court for traffic tickets? Well, yeah. I mean, like, I got to I got to act like an attorney. Like, I pretty yeah. much was an attorney. I was a Rule yeah. 9, which, like, gives you certain licenses to kind of practice as long as you're being supervised by an actual attorney. So I got to be in court and do all the things that oh, prosecutors cool. kind of do. Yeah. And um, and then I had my first trial. So wow. um, that, that, and I had never had so much fun in my life trying a case. It was like, I walked out of there even though I lost. Um knowing that this is what I was meant to be like the passion, like the fun, the, the fun of it, the drive. I was just like the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I walked out of that courtroom even after I lost, after like having feedback from my supervisor about how that trial went. And I'm just like, no, this is, I'm this, this is where I'm meant to be. It just clicked for you. Yeah. And and then since then, like, uh, that's what I've been like working, like trying to get actually get the position I just got hired for. So that's cool. What what about the trial that, like got you hooked though. Like, was it like preparing and presenting your case and like arguing the facts? I, I think it was the, the courtroom experience itself. Um, mm-hmm. like doing the opening, uh, exam, uh, cross examining, direct examining witnesses, closing arguments, yeah. like all this, uh, process because in a trial in its simplest form is really just a game. 
of chess moves and strategy. You have to be quick on your feet. Yeah. Uh, nothing goes as planned. You don't know what your witnesses sometimes are going to completely say, like, or they'll change their story on you. And you got to be able to, oh, in wow. that moment, you know, be ready to react to that, come up with something mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, a different question or um, just be prepared. You know, a defense attorney might throw a curveball at you. Uh, the judge might, um, you know, suppress a piece of evidence that you were counting on or say, uh-huh. actually, you can't ask that question. And you got to be, you know, either ready to ask a different question or change your strategy on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, depending on what level of court you're in, six or 12 people determine whether who, you know, uh, who's right and who's wrong, I guess. Man, it's a little uh, bit of an art form in there, right? Yeah, there is. There is. Um, everyone has their own style. And that's kind of cool is that I like, um, you know, I've slowly crafted my own style over the years. Yeah. Uh, through one, uh, a big part of my style now I created through um, my mentor, you know, showing me like this is, yeah. this might be a better way of, of how you present a case. And, and then the, the type of case also determines on maybe how I would, I would present it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is an art form. And did, I mean, if you've ever played like organized sports or like been in a, a game, like in a game, a big game in high school or like, um, just like a championship game. It's like yeah. that, that is the feeling that I got. And gotcha. And so, yeah. you know, you're nervous heading into trial. I'm not as nervous anymore. I'm sure when I have my first felony trial, I'll be nervous as all get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but something happens when you like the judge walks in, the lights turn on. So it's, it's like what professional athletes say, something click and the ner- and everything just goes away and you're just in the zone and you're just cruising. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's probably the favorite part of my job is uh, at least for me is trying yeah. is actually when I get to try a case. Um, oh, that's cool. It's like when you're working on the weekend preparing, it's like, why did I agree to do, <laughs> to yeah. do this? Right. <laughs> Everyone else is having a good time, you know, enjoying the sun and I'm stuck in the office. Working. But, but then once the trial actually starts, I'm just like, Oh man, this is like, you're this is zone. so much fun. That's like, why. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw like the George Floyd trial on like yeah. TV. Like, um, I was, obviously I cared about the result, but I was watching it to see how like the attorneys were like, what were their strategies? Like, why did they approach it this way? Right. And, um, at times it was, you know, I don't, I don't have all the facts that these guys, all the information these guys have, but I can still deduce. And, you know, it was just like really fascinating to watch what I could watch of it. Yeah, Yeah, man. No, it sounds like you're really passionate about what you do. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I, that's important, right? You're waking up every day and you're doing that. Well, and that's and that was the thing is um, in my internship, I woke up every day excited to go to work yeah. at the city of Bellevue. Every day I'm ex- I was excited to go to work. I mean, that's not to say that I didn't wake up some days like being like, man, oh, I yeah. wish I didn't have to work today, right? Like it's like I, I, I want to sleep a little bit more or it's a, such a beautiful day. I don't want to be in the office all day, right? right. Type of deal. But like in terms of um, the work itself, like, Oh, I'm always excited. Like you, you just don't know what you're going to get when you get into the office yeah. that day, what's going to come across your desk, what kind of case is going to come the facts. It's just always interesting. And yeah. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Right? Well, and then the, in court, there's always some kind of drama happening, you know? Oh yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so real quick, I want to go back. We talked a little bit earlier this week and you had explained that your first opportunity out of, uh, uh, law school from Seattle U mm-hmm. was being a public defender for mm-hmm. 10 months. Yeah. What was that experience like? Um, so I, I, I knew, like I told, like I spoke earlier in law school, I figured out that prosecution was what, where I felt or what I knew what I wanted to be. Yeah. And, uh, getting out of law school, um, it's, it sometimes can be very challenging or hard to get into some of these prosecution offices. They're, they're competitive. A lot of people, 
um, kind of want go after them, and a lot of places want experience. Yeah. Do, would you say there's more demand to for people coming out of law school to be prosecutors? I don't know if there's more demand, but there are government jobs, so also funding. So there's only a certain amount yeah. of positions, and a, and a lot of these offices are still somewhat understaffed. Like they could always use the amount of cases; they could always use more prosecutors. But whether they have the funding to hire more prosecutors, um, at least when I was coming out, for example someone had to retire for them to get a, a new spot to hire someone Wow! Um, oh, okay. in certain offices like yeah. that, because people don't leave. Some people don't leave either. So it's, yeah. it's hard, hard to move up or hard for them to hire new people. Yeah. Too. It's not like a private company. Like, Oh, we're expanding. We're going to add yeah. 10 new positions yeah. this it's year. It's not like that. I think yeah. um, sometimes it can be right. Like they get extra More funding, funding and, yeah. then, and then they can, but yeah, um, it, can, it can be tough. And so I wasn't, you know, uh, it was either no one was really hiring or you don't have like you'd I'd get an interview or or sometimes I wouldn't and I'd go through the interview and then I'd get the phone call or an email saying like hey you, you know you're one of the finalists but we went with the person who had more experience than you it's like, yeah well, obviously I don't I'm out of law school the only way I'm going <laughs> to get experience is someone hires me yeah and so it, and so I wasn't able I was like I needed a job to start paying bills so yeah. I I was well what's going to keep me relevant in my field what's going to still give me experience so when I go into that interview I you know they're like well you have you want to be a prosecutor like what's your experience in criminal law I could be like well you know I've been doing xyz now I do have experience in court I've still handled cases yeah um, and so being a criminal defense attorney was um a way to get that experience that people yeah. were saying was missing from my resume and yet you know I couldn't get into an office yeah um I had one one prosecuting attorney, uh, somewhere where I had interned for a whole summer. And I remember like pretty much working for free and I had applied. And then, you know, he, as a courtesy phone call, I guess, as he would like to call it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm only telling you this because you, um, you know, worked here for a year for free, but yeah, you need to go for work free. for some, <laughs> for some tiny, tiny office or some tiny County and then come count, come talk to us. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, the experience that I was, I, I, I just, if anything, that drove me more because it's kind of like, yeah. you know, you don't, you, you don't, you can't cut it here. And like, I, I to me, like to him, maybe he thought he was doing me a, a, a service or something, giving yeah. me some advice. But to me, it was kind of like a little bit of a slap to the face. Ooh, like, right. yeah. After spending oh, a year? Man. Yeah. After yeah. pretty much spending a year there. For free. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I thought I'd done a pretty good job. And yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then my plan was, okay, so I got a job as a public defender. Mm-hmm. Now, how am I going to explain this? in the interview with the prosecutor's office because it's an adversarial system. So I'm on the other side. Like, how are they going to view that? Right. And, yeah. and just real quick for those listening, what, uh, can you explain what a public defender is and what a prosecutor is and essentially sure. the roles that they play? Yeah. So a prosecutor represents the government or the community essentially, um, in court, uh, against the accused, someone who's accused of committing a crime and they're in charge of, uh, pro- I, I guess, um, taking that case through the whole, system right. got it um in other jurisdictions they're called district attorneys so in california they're not called prosecutors they're called district attorneys same DA. in new york da's yeah, yeah. so that's got what it. okay yeah. yeah and a public defender is a type of criminal defense attorney so um in our country in the 60s a case came out um that said that if you can't afford an attorney you have the right to have one appointed on your behalf yep. mm-hmm. doesn't mean you get to pick who that attorney is but you get to have one so they're called they're typically called public defenders and um, their attorneys like, you know, go through law school, like everyone else ha- got the same kind of training and, uh, yeah. they typically are a nonprofit or gov- it's another 
platform probably could be a government agency. Yeah. Um, there are like in smaller cities, say like the city of Everett, where my job was, it was a private law firm that got the contract gotcha. from the city. And, um, and so, um, yeah, so it, you represent people who couldn't afford to hire their own attorney. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. typically they're not paid as well as the private criminal defense attorneys because private criminal defense attorneys, it's their business. It's like a, it's a private business yeah. that firm, mm-hmm. it's a private law firm that you've hired. So gotcha. okay. they, they can set the price. Um, usually the, the people who have the contract for the private defense or the public defense fund. Um, you know, they, it's an agreement for like this case is we're going to only pay you this much for that yeah. case. And you have to go through the whole case that could end up actually being worth a lot more. Makes sense. And so yeah. you did that for 10 months. Yeah. I'm just curious, man. What, what are some of the craziest cases you were assigned to people you had to defend stories? You yeah. Can tell us from um, there. um, you know, and we, we had experiences where, um, you know, a client would come in and they <laughs> probably should not have been in our office in terms yeah. of like, you know, they'd get very upset, start yelling at you, all this oh, stuff. Wow. Or, um, I remember one time we had to ask, like, he was in one of my coworkers' office and, like, would not leave. And so we had to go in there. Like, me and a couple of the guys were like, dude, like, you have to leave. <laughs> we're going to have to call the cops on you. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and finally we were able to, like, somewhat, like, using a little bit of force, get him out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Have so you ever um, encountered uh, a case where you had to defend somebody and you just looked at the evidence and you're like, this, this guy did it. oh that's a good majority of the cases right most of the time like when you're talking about like a theft from like fred myers or something that it's on video like yeah there's like so many of those yeah how hard is it to defend those cases though like if there's just the evidence is just stacked against this person at at that point it's not so much of like trying to get the case dismissed it's trying to get them the best possible deal Mm. and and sometimes like maybe it's like his first theft and i'll go to the prosecutor i'll be like hey you know, this is his first one. Like, is there a diversion program that we can get him into or her into so that she doesn't have this on, she or he doesn't have this on their record. Other times it's kind of like, Hey, I, I see that, you know, he's, um, he has a lot of these. I, I get that. And you want to punish him toughly for it. But yeah, you know, since then, since this last one, he's gotten his life somewhat together, right? He's now in treatment. He's doing yeah. really well. And as you can see from, you know, February, now we're in like November. He hasn't had anything new happen that uh, can you give him this break or give him this opportunity to continue to keep getting his life together instead of sending him back to jail. That's going to disrupt all these services. And so sometimes it's, it's not so much getting them off. It's learning your prosecutor or the person that you're negotiating with and communicating with their style and then what they need to hear or how they like things to be presented or, or how much they care. Um, to to get them to hopefully bring some of those 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 things down yeah Um, sometimes people can be unreasonable like i had a i had a guy on my first solo public defense trial was a physical control and they were they were being really unreasonable (laughs) unreasonable in the negotiation so by the time we went to trial he'd already had done what if the the uh the mandatory minimums of what uh the judge could sentence him to so at this point it's they were threatening us to like really punish him so much more if he didn't plead guilty. And I was just like, I don't think the judge is going to sentence my, so you're pretty much punishing my client for going to trial. Yeah. And, um, I don't think the judge is going to sentence him to the amount of time that you're asking for, especially on the facts of this case. Yeah. And you know, I, th- I thought I could win this case. <laughs> Lo and behold, I learned some lessons on that trial. We lost, but you know, the guy, the, my client was like really appreciative. He thought I did a good job and, 
Um, yeah. He knew it, and I was like, look, you already did the time anyway, so you have nothing to lose at this point. You, the, what you're going to lose is if the judge sees it as the prosecutor sees it, you're going to do some more time, but you're already in there. Um, and he was okay. He's like, it's worth the risk because if you win, this doesn't go on my record. And at the same time, even if we lose, I might get what, you know, I might get out because Mm -hmm. I've done the time already. So he was, he was pretty, he was, yeah, he was gracious about it. And hopefully when he got out, I worked with his family to hopefully get him um, in. I think a, a big challenge is, uh, victims or some are like, or family members want X, Y, and Z done for their individual that's facing right. these charges. But my duty isn't to them. My duty is to the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, although that might be best for his like personal life, that might not be best for his like case, like in that situation. Right. Or if that's not what he wants to do, I can't like, I have to listen to what he wants to do. Right. That's and so, you know, if he doesn't want to agree to those things, then it's like, then it's a no. Right. And so sometimes people want to influence like, well, why can't the court just force him into services? Well, you know, one, he hasn't pled guilty to anything, so the court doesn't have authority to force him to do that yet. Got it, yeah. Two, even if they do impose that, you know, um, sometimes they'll give individuals multiple opportunities before they just send them to jail. I think, yeah. you know, for a lot of these lower level crimes, like when drugs or uh, addiction is the is the issue or mental health, yeah. the point is, is, isn't to lock people up. It's to try to get them the help that they need so that they're not right. coming through the system again and that they can be a functioning member of society kind of like rehabilitate them, get them the services, hopefully get them housing. Um, Yeah. I think a big issue, um, especially towards mental health is we end up having to call police for a lot of these issues. And when that happens, not that the police um, don't handle those things correctly or anything. It's just, they're not mental health trained experts. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, They're, and, and at the same time, that's their only recourse is to put them in to jail or, you know, they're so dangerous to themselves that they have to put them in like a um, uh, involuntary um, inpatient treatment type thing. Right. Yeah. And um, so, you know, the, the the options are limited. And then once they arrest them on a charge, then it comes to my office. And now you start this whole system and we're not necessarily geared for solving the issues that are really at, at hand. Sometimes people call the cops on their spouse or their partner and they're like, well, I just wanted him to go to jail to cool off. And so Mm. as a public defender, when I'm talking to this victim, I was like, well, you know, that's out of your hands now, right? Now the government gets to decide whether they want to press charges or not. And they'd be like, well, I don't want to press charges anymore. Well, that that's not up to you. That's, that's up to the government. Really? So even if the person that called changes their mind and doesn't want to press charges after all, yeah, the government can still decide. Well, now we're going to press charges. How does well how does the that government, work? the prosecuting attorney's office, yeah. is the uh, is the office that determines whether charges are going to be filed or not? I mean, oh, you wow. could you could you know have a case happen and you want it to be prosecuted, but if the prosecuting attorney doesn't think there's enough, they're not going to file charges. Gotcha. So I mean, I, I I would. It's not to say that they don't take into consideration what a victim or a witness is saying. Right. about the case but there that's not like the deciding factor that's not the sole factor that's mm-hmm. looked into um into prosecuting the case yeah and so, so moving on into prosecuting yeah. you became the prosecutor for the city of bellevue so you switch seats instead of defending the people you were trying to charge them with stuff right yeah and that and that's where i wanted to be so again i was trying to get become a prosecutor and so the position that i got was an infractions 
So I starting yeah. back to tickets, right? I went from being a criminal lawyer to now back to traffic tickets. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes people think that, Hey, I'm too big for this kind of gig or whatever. To me, I was just like, it's my foot into an office and I'm yeah. going to, you know, show them, I'm going to, you know, do what it, do what it takes to, to move up into the criminal spot or, you know, hopefully get criminal experience that yeah. when I go to apply to a criminal position, I can now say I've been working at a prosecutor's office. And, um, I think this is one of those things where like, I look back, like I was talking to my boss who hired me for that position and is my mentor. And I was talking to another coworker. Um, I look back and it's like, it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't go the traditional route where you graduate law school, you start working at a prosecutor's office, like for a big County or for a big city yeah, and and you move up the ranks, right? Like I I didn't go that route. I, you know, started as a public, I got a job as public defender. Then I started doing traffic tickets. Then I started doing criminal cases and now I was able to transfer what they call laterally move to, to the County to do felonies. Yeah. And, um, it's a blessing because if I wouldn't have gone the route that I did, I wouldn't be like the best version of me as an attorney that right. I am today. Um, Cause you've seen through multiple different perspectives, right? You yeah. don't just see it one sided lens through a prosecutor's point of view. You know what it's like to be on the defending side mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. So not only do I know what public defenders are going through when they're yeah. interacting with their clients, I luckily am still able to humanize the person that I'm prosecuting because I was, you know, interacting with them. Yeah. But also when I look at my cases, I sometimes start looking at it. Um, like what are my weaknesses? Like where are my big holes that if I was a defense attorney, this is how I'm going to attack you. Like this is how I'm going to, this is where I'm going to go at you. From. These are the angles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then as a pro and then, and then I look at it through my prosecution lens too. Um, but on top of that, it's like also the people that I like interacted with, mm-hmm. like my mentor at the city of Bellevue and the skills that he taught me yeah. that he built me up. And I never started a job where, um, like I did there where your boss sits you down and was like, what are your career goals? And like, what am I going to do to help you get to where you want to end up? Even if that means you're going to leave the organization. That's awesome. That's a good boss. And, yeah. 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 And, and that's exactly what it's like. I, and so we talked about that and we would have check-ins like, all right. What are like, what do we need to do? Like, where are you at? Like, he's like, so when I came to take this job, he was the one that was like, you need to apply. Right. Like, yeah. he's like, let's prepare for this interview. Let's right. And, 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 um, you know, and was really supportive. Um, and so, yeah. And so it was like people like that. And so when I did like my first trial in front of him, like at this job as a prosecutor, yeah. um, to where I, when I left and where I'm at in, like my trial readiness and being prepared and how I conduct a trial and how much yeah. more effective I am. I'm still learning. There's still so much more to learn. And yeah, as the cases get like he- uh, bigger and maybe a little bit more complex, um, you know, I learn new stuff too. Right. And I learn things from other people going to trainings, but I have grown so much. That's like, awesome. yeah, yeah. And like, you know, the, like how I approach things. That's is, cool. It, yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's just, if I would have gone the other route, I wouldn't yeah. be anywhere as good as who knows if I would still be doing this job. Yeah. So. yeah. And so with the pandemic, it kind of forced your job, like a lot of people's jobs to go virtual, right? Yeah. So you're doing cases, you're prosecuting cases virtually. What yeah. are some stories that you have on, you know, when you were doing this through Zoom, right? Oh, so. people like have no shame as to how they show up yeah. on Zoom. I We had one guy on there one time. You could see like some kind of hand coming, like he's laying with his shirt off. 
you can see some kind of hand coming like he's getting a massage no. or something. Yeah. Another time a girl was getting ready for work. So we had to be like, man, maybe turn off your camera and put like a shirt on or something and then wow. come back. Yeah. She's putting on makeup. I don't know if she realized like she was probably waiting for a case to be called. She was. Yeah. We had another guy outside doing like karate you know, martial arts what? type stuff. The judge is like, sir, put on a shirt. Like, otherwise, leave the call, and when you're ready to participate, come back on. Wow. Yeah, we had people who... Um, and these are people who are, like, presenting their case, right? They're... These are these are defendants. Defendants, yeah. yeah. These are people who are being charged with crimes. Yeah. yeah. You saw, you know, oh, you had people driving where we had to be like, sir, you need to pull off the road, or, you know... That's call, another like, charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a traffic... Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I think sometimes it would be hard... Uh, when when you had to use an interpreter and you have Zoom and you have like all these people that have to talk at the same time, it, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's already challenging in court as it is, and it's more challenging yeah. over the Zoom call. You had oh like some attorneys goodness. that you know would wear like a sweatshirt, like a hoodie. It's like come on, yeah. man, or like a tank top. I had one guy. You could tell he was like on vacation or something. He forgot and some got wow. on the call. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, you you see you see everything when you come to court. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of these are for traffic infractions, right? No, these ones were all the Zoom calls. Most of them were for actual criminal cases. Criminal cases. Yeah, I'd already okay. transitioned to the criminal side by that. I was only an infraction attorney for like a year and a half. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing criminal infractions mm-hmm. for Bellevue mm-hmm. too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that kind of segues us into the next part of your career, which just recently. You yeah. became uh, the deputy prosecuting attorney for King County. Mm-hmm. So what's that What's that change mean for you and kind of for the cases that you're looking at as opposed to what you were doing in Bellevue? Yeah, so I'm looking, so um, in Bellevue and just like in Everett, uh, we're talking about gross misdemeanors and misdemeanors. So you're talking about people who are facing uh, less than a year in jail. So yeah. up to 364 days if it's a misdemeanor or up to 90 days if it's a simple misdemeanor. Got it. Um, okay. And and felonies where I'm at now, you're talking about people facing like we're talking years now. So, mm. in in city of Bellevue, city of Everett, or what we'd call courts of limited jurisdiction, like district courts, um, yeah. we talk um, in terms of days. And Got now it, yeah. in Superior Court, um, when we're talking about felonies, we're talking in terms of months. Months. Okay. How, uh, in terms of how much time they face. Yeah. Um, so bigger you, cases, more mm-hmm. serious crimes. Yeah, more serious crimes. Th- yeah. Some sometimes it's a technically a more serious crime because the dollar amount that was stolen is higher and so it becomes uh, a felony. So some the some of the elements are like what you'd say is still still the same, but it's just more serious. Or um an assault three, like right in Bellevue or in Everett in courts of limited jurisdiction, it's an assault four, so it's a lower degree assault. But, you know, an assault three is still an assault, but it's considered more serious because maybe it happened to a police officer or you beat up your bus driver versus, you know, just beating up the person walking down the street or in a bar fight. And and maybe the bus driver didn't get beat up as badly, but it's still an assault three because the law says if you beat beat up like a metro bus driver or something, that's that's considered a felony if they're driving the bus. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so sometimes the charges are more serious, but the actions itself aren't necessarily serious and you just started this role right like about yeah, a week I'm, ago maybe yeah two weeks ago. starting my second week tomorrow so oh, nice. wow. yeah. congrats man yeah, yeah so i'm specifically in the violent economics crime unit yeah. um down at the mrjc or the Malon regional justice center down in kent um and i'm just in the filing unit so right now i am reviewing some of these lower level cases yeah. to determine whether whether we want to file charges and then gotcha. i go to court on certain calendars um one of them being what's called the investigative calendar. So if someone was mm-hmm. like arrested the night before, 
um, they have to see a judge within a certain amount of time. And so we'll go to court on that. And the judge is determining, is there a probable cause for the charge? And if so, what are the conditions of their release or if they should, you know, have bail imposed. And so I show up and handle those. Um, and then we do like the arraignments. So when, once we formally decide to charge you with the crime, we, uh, bring you, or you get, you know, asked to come to court and it's where we uh, like read the charges to you. You're being informed of what you're being charged with. And then, excuse me. And then, um, and then what are the conditions again of your release and what are your next court dates and stuff like that? Got it. Okay. And so we asked you a little bit of what were some of the cases that you saw as a public Mm -hmm. defender? What are some of the craziest cases that you saw as a prosecutor? So in Bellevue, um, there's a lot, but you know, even you think like Bellevue, you know, richer city, less, maybe less crime or whatever people, people can, you know, and that doesn't matter if anything, sometimes it's just, they're able to hire richer or like, more expensive lawyers. Yeah. Um, we still had, you still had your, you know, you know, rich people still beat their wives, still beat each other up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, DUI is the same. Uh, but I had a couple, um, cases where you get people who like one case, this guy was just walking down the street naked. So indecent exposure. Yeah. He was wow. probably, I don't know if I don't, I don't remember if he was a uh, high or just going through a mental illness, but yeah, mm-hmm. but he's walking down the street just naked, Right there, downtown Bellevue. You know. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, we had one where um, I I would say like in terms of for me what was my biggest case was just a, was a DUI, but that was yeah. because of the trial that I had and the trial defense attorney that I was going up against. At that point, it was probably it, it's well like to this day it's still been the biggest trial that I've had in terms of the stakes and the attorney that I was um, going up against. Is that um, how you see it as a prosecutor? It's like you versus that attorney. It's like kind of like your brain versus their brain, like how, how you break down the case and how you present it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm how I see it is I'm seeking justice. Right, but, of course. But, but when it comes to like, you know, there is a winner and there's a loser, like in terms of yeah. like me as like how good of an attorney I am, that's yeah. how I see it is like I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm trying to be the best I can in this trial and I'm going up against maybe one of the best, what so what I've heard is one of the best defense attorneys in this area. Uh, and so it's kind of like, well, let's see how good I, I am as a trial attorney. Yeah. See how good he, in terms of that competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm competing against myself, but I'm competing against that trial. That, attorney that makes too, sense. To see like, Hey, he's supposedly the best. I'm just starting out here. Like, let's, yeah. well, let's see like how good am I really am at this point? Did you yeah. take him out? Oh yeah, we, yeah, I won. Let's it go. was it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it, was it was, cool. it was literally probably the funnest case I had. It had all the drama. It, um, it's it was uh, the guy was on his uh, third DUI, so he was looking at a minimum of like ninety days in jail, one hundred and twenty days yeah. on electronic home detention, and a bunch of fines. Um, and he, you know, they paid an expert witness, so they flew her out to, wow. out from New Mexico out here. Um, What's an expert witness? In this case, she was an expert in how laboratories should be like testing or running. Like, are they in compliance with uh, their testing procedures and stuff like that? Because he didn't, he refused to have a breath test. So he got his blood drawn. And so they were saying that, hey, the, the Washington State Patrol toxicology lab standards aren't up to par. And so you, so you jury cannot rely on this blood result. Like, so they try to win on procedure because they knew in a that, sense, I mean, yeah. The guy was, well, oh. wouldn't that throw out the other cases though? If uh, well, he, they're just well, they're calling into doubt. They're not saying, yeah. and so we have our expert, right? Yeah. One, one of the toxicologists, and he gets up there, and he, it was like the battle of the experts for a little while, 
what I thought was interesting, though, that, you know, they did all this with this expert witness. And then in his closing argument, he either he forgot or I don't know what happened, but he didn't really talk like that was their case. And he didn't really talk too much about it. Uh, And I think um, I had like already had kind of maybe gotten into his head a little bit. Yeah, Um, I knew I think the moment that I knew that at least in terms of I was doing better than him, not so much like I don't know what a jury's going to do. You never know what a jury's going right. to do. You could have the yeah. strongest case, and the jury could still find him not guilty or her not guilty. It's just random people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just average citizen. It's just any citizen. Yeah, you know. And we we you know people say like you you select your jury. You you don't really technically select the jurors. You it's more or less weeding out people that you think would not be good jurors for your case. So, Who and then whoever is that, like, is it the prosecutor? That so gets the prosecutor them? and the defense attorney. Got so we it. get to, we question the jurors. We ask them questions. They talk. We try to, I try not to talk too much. I want yeah. them talking so I can learn as much as I can about them. And hopefully the jurors themselves talk amongst themselves so that yeah. sometimes, you know, I'll have this really good juror and they might not even make it onto the juror, but I'm like, please keep talking about your experience with the drunk driver. Like uh, this is a case about drunk driving. I want all of them to hear it because then I can go into like my closing argument and be like, Hey, you remember in jury selection, this case is just like what that woman was saying when she got hit by a drunk driver and how that person was acting. Well, this guy was acting the same way. And that throws mm, yeah. out their opinion because they're, they're biased, right? Well, or in that case, it, it could. Maybe yeah. I can rehabilitate her. Um, I mean, you know, I could ask her, is your experience there going to impact your decision on this case? Got it. Okay. Probably it is, but she might say no, and we have to take it for what it's worth. I and see. then it's whether we use a peremptory challenge, meaning I get to excuse people without being questioned. Yeah. I can't excuse them based on their race, though. There's there's law right. that says I can't mm-hmm. do that. But in terms of, I could be like, you know, um, so let's say I, I tried to excuse someone and, and they challenge it saying like, he's getting rid of her because that's the only Brown person on the jury, you know? Right. So I have to explain why I'm getting rid why? of them and yeah. it can't be because they're Brown. I, I would have to probably be like, your honor, I think, you know, this person, um, you know, says that they can't follow the law. Yeah. And so I don't think that would be a good fit. Uh, yeah. We don't get to really yeah. pick our jurors in that sense. We kind of like eliminate and then you hope that, and, th- and then you only get a certain amount of eliminations. Right. Mm-hmm, so you're yeah. kind of, stuck with whatever it is and and sometimes you don't have that much time to find out that much information like usually on these smaller trials it was only like 20 minutes that i got to talk oh, to these people wow yeah it's cool to so, hear that perspective though because yeah. as someone who doesn't really know a lot about mm-hmm. like court proceedings and how juries are like picked out and mm-hmm. stuff it's cool to hear that perspective yeah. um you know what would you do in a situation where you know you get pulled over and what's the first thing you would do um uh, if i was pulled over and i have i have been <laughs> yeah. like even recently um, uh, what, what I usually do is I, I like, you know, I roll down my window, I, I being like a person of color, I keep my hands on the steering wheel so they can see my hands. Yeah. Um, and you know, usually the officer is going to ask, do you know why I pulled you over or license yeah. and registration or something like that? Um, I usually do not tell them, <laughs> like if they ask, do you know how fast you're going? I, I don't, I don't answer those questions because I don't want to incriminate myself if, I, if I'm speeding. Questions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like people think that they can talk themselves out of things and that's just not usually going to go well. Like you're just going to get yourself into more trouble. So usually the best thing is to like, um, only answer questions that you have to answer, right? Like, you know, what's your name or something like that, the information that you have to like identifying information. Mm -hmm. Um, like if they ask you for your driver's license and they pulled you over, you have to give them your driver's license and stuff like that. So, you know, usually I'll be like, Hey, can I reach into the glove box so I can pull out my registration? So like, as I can see the officer walking up, I usually have my 
driver's license and insurance ready that I can hand them as I'm holding on to the steering wheel. Right. That you got um, out of your pocket. Yeah, that I usually whatever, got right? out of my pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um and and then, you know, well I got you going this fast, I'll just be like, you know, I I don't I don't try to answer the questions. Yeah. If I was um if someone or what I would tell a friend if they're getting in trouble for something criminal, yeah. Yeah, definitely don't say anything. Um, you know, ask to talk to a lawyer. Um because you actually don't have the right to a lawyer until you've been arrested or Mirandized. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, like, if they, if you, like, as they're investigating, like, say you get pulled over for a DUI and they're just barely investigating it, you don't have the right to a lawyer. Mm. So, you, you, you know, until you're placed under arrest or they're like, hey, you have the right to remain silent. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't actually have the right. And, and on top of that, never argue with the cops. That's not going to get you anywhere. Like the point to art, if you feel like they've done you wrong, the point to handle all that is in the courtroom is to let right. your attorney take yeah. care of that in the courtroom. Because the cop in that point is he's, he has all the power. Like they're the, they're the sole authority in that situation. You're not going to have anyone that's going to get you out of there. So don't make it worse on yourself. Don't, you know, you don't want to get tased or, or shot. And I'm, I'm not saying that in other instances it's, that even though these people are cooperating, still end up getting shot. But you don't want to put yourself where they have an excuse to do something to Right. And so in the sense, you know, like arguing or being disrespectful or, or stuff like that, you, I, like, I, I try not to. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and just because, uh, yeah, just for my own safety at that point. Yeah. Um, right. And, and, it, and, it, and I know it's not going to get me anywhere. Like, I think, uh, you know, when the George Floyd protests were, were going on, I was, um, Driving home, there was the one time during this pandemic before I started my new job that I actually had to go into court. Um, yeah. And I was driving back. I'm in my suit, and they had put up all these roadblocks around the Alderwood Mall. And I, yeah. at that point, used to live by there, and so I had to go through these roadblocks to get to my house. And I remember the officer just being like, "State your like, you know." I pulled up to the roadblock. I'm like, "Hey, my house is on the, over there. Like, you know, yeah. I need to get through. I see you let some cars through. Like, now it's my turn." And he's like, "State your business in Linwood." And I'm like, "He's already like coming off really aggressive." Yeah. And a part of me is like. Like, all right, get triggered right away. Yeah, I got triggered by it big time. Like when someone in authority is coming at me like that, and but you know, I had to be like, I live here, and he's like, oh yeah, prove it. And so I handed him like my driver's license, but um, because even though I'm a prosecutor, I'm not allowed to tell these guys. Like I can't show them my badge because I, I, you know, then I'm using something to get me out of trouble, right? And that and that's something that I'm not. But in that case, he was being so disrespectful and like not letting me go. Like I'm in my suit and tie. I have my cases right here in my yeah. on my seat, my briefcase, and this guy's. And so I was like, "Hey, like, it, I'm just trying to get home. Is this going to be an issue? Like, by mm-hmm. the way, I am a prosecutor. Like, is this an issue um, for me to get to my yeah. house?" And he's like, "Prove it that you're a prosecutor." Prove it? Oh yeah, my really? Goodness, so man. luckily, I had my work badge and I showed it to him. He's and all of a sudden, he saw that his whole attitude. Changed. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, go through." I mean, he had been letting other cars go through, so I don't know. He just made it a big deal for yeah, you. Yeah, specifically. yeah, and yeah. You saw that. Yeah. yeah, and um, and I told my boss right away. I don't know if I will, I'm allowed to do this, but like, I was just trying to get home. Yeah, like man, I wasn't trying. Like I'm not getting pulled over for a ticket. I'm not trying to get out of anything. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. yeah, it was like kind of like put a little bit of respect to my name, right? right. Like yeah. before you mis- mistreat me. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah so that, that would be the only time and the one time that I've actually like told an officer like, hey, man. Use like, that yeah. hard. Yeah, man. and that was, and yeah, of course, that he finally let me go through and stopped giving me a, a rough time. Yeah. And so, you know, that just, that goes to show that, <laughs> that even, 
when I interact with officers, it's like I yeah, still try to safe, even prosecutors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, that's I cool. Mean, Thanks oh, for sharing yeah. that advice. Yeah. So kind of to summarize it a little bit is don't say anything. Don't right. answer any questions right off the bat. Just give the, you know, the, the, the I guess, identification that they're yeah. asking for, and, registration, all of that. Yeah, or you could always ask like, hey, am I free to go? And if you're free to go, get the hell out of there. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, or am I being detained or, or something like yeah. that? Always, you can ask that or... Um, you know, hey, can I have, can I call my lawyer or can I talk to a lawyer? And if they say no, not yet, then, you know, shut up. Once you're under arrest though, right? You have uh, the right you should, to you should, Yeah. The moment they tell you have the right to one, you should definitely call them. Do that first. Speak to them. Yeah. yeah. And there's numerous reasons for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, even if they're starting to question you and they say, hey, you're not free to go, I would still ask, well, can I talk to my lawyer? And if they say yeah. no, well then, you know, you, you're going to have to wait. But at least I would let them know that I'm invoking my right to have my attorney. Yeah. So that, you know, they have to stop asking me questions to an extent. You know? And then just let it get handled in court. Like yeah. You said. And, and Yeah. Because you're not like they've already made up their mind as yeah. to what they're going to do. Like, so you're not. I mean, sure. People sometimes share stories how they talk themselves out of the speeding ticket. I mean, at the same time, maybe the officer just didn't want to. There's a whole process to writing a speeding ticket. People you know? actually have to write. They didn't want to do all of that. It's <laughs> yeah. actually a lot of work for yeah. somebody. They were ready I mean, to go back yeah. home for dinner or something. They yeah. didn't want to write a ticket. I mean, I had a case where it was a DUI. The guy refused the breath test, and he didn't go get the search warrant for blood. Oh, and so yeah. why? And and so he like we're done with a uh, motion hearing. He's like, "This is why I don't do DUIs." And I was like, "If you would have done the search warrant and gotten the blood result, we would not be going through this hearing right now. Yeah. So next time, you know, maybe do that." And then he's like, "Well, it it was I was like pretty much off my shift. I didn't want to stay working longer." And it's like, "Well, now here we're in the situation that we're in now, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think people think that we work for the police or the police works for us. It's like, no, as prosecutors, we're two separate agencies that work kind of together. Like, so I need them to do their job right so I can do my right. job better. And but at the same time, I don't go out looking for cases to prosecute. They get they bring the cases to us. Yeah, I review them and then we decide whether we're gonna." go forward with the prosecution of this case based on the evidence that they gathered that right? they gathered or at the time. I mean, they could still be investigating and get me more yeah. evidence, but at that moment, yeah. yeah. And, and usually cool. when I'm a reviewing a case, you know, I'm like, can I prove it? Do I think they did it? You know, like, is there a probable cause? Can I prove this beyond a reasonable doubt? And not just that, um, will a jury actually convict someone yeah. on the, on this charges based on what I know about the juries in our, you know, County or, or city or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then, I mean, and then there's other standards, right? Does this meet the, my office's filing standards? Does this, you know, meet what, what we're trying to do here? Right. There's a lot you got to consider, right? Yeah. And and again, it's like my sole job is to seek justice, right? So justice for each case can be numerous things. It's not always just getting a guilt, getting a conviction and sending this person off to prison. Gotcha. Well, I think that's a good note to wrap up on, Arthur. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. You shared a lot of good knowledge and your perspective and your, your overall journey, you know, yeah. Yeah, going into law. Through, so yeah. thanks for coming thank, through, Thanks man. for having me. I mean, always, anybody can always feel free to reach out to me. Um, I, I think a big passion of mine is mentoring. That's something that luckily through the city of Bellevue I had time awesome. to do. And so anybody interested in law, going to college, or um, interested in being in pro- criminal law, yeah, anytime, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, and cool. if you're in King County and, you know, you uh, have a gross misdemeanor, <laughs> or, uh, watch out for this guy because he will put you <laughs> put you away. Yeah, so, yeah, um, no, thank thanks you, again, man. Arthur. Yeah. So if you're interested in reaching out to Arthur for mentorship or just have questions uh, for him, you know, feel free to reach out to him. We'll have his social media links in the description. Mm-hmm. As always, you know, thank you all for watching. Leave a comment, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, and catch us next time.